darling. How Hello. are you? Hello. I'm wonderful. Happy to see your beautiful face. As always. Uh, this is another fucking horror podcast. I'm Monique Sanchez. I'm Amy Drayton. Welcome to the fucking show. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing? I love that. I'm I'm fantastic knowing that you're fantastic. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. I love it. You're double fantastic. Boom. Fantastic squared. <laughs> Flippin' fantastic. <laughs> what are you up to? Uh, not a ton. I recently started listening to the Heaven's Gate podcast. Oh, shit. Yeah. Is that more of a deep dive than the documentary that I still have yet to watch? Dot, dot, dot. I feel <laughs> Apologies. like you, you would love the documentary. Yeah. So HBO has been doing this thing where they do companion podcasts <gasps> to shows. Okay. I want to say the first was Chernobyl. I want to say. The Chernobyl podcast is incredible. In addition to the Chernobyl series, oh my god, that sounds right at my fucking alley. I oh my god, I it's that. so good. It's so good. Both of them are so good. They don't have a murder on Middle Beach one though, right? Did I miss that? Somehow? I don't know. <gasps> I don't know. Okay. So I had erroneously heard that there was a companion podcast to Heaven's Gate, the Heaven's Gate oh, series. Okay. So I go to look it up. And the only one that's showing up is this other podcast that I had started listening to and for whatever reason, probably time related. I I only listened to the first episode. Okay. But it's Glenn Washington who does Spooked. Oh, shit. Exactly. And it's fucking great. It's more of a deep dive. It's 10 episodes. And it's just really heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know how it ends. Yeah. And you're left with these people the family members and the loved ones who are left behind talking about yeah. everything. And then if you saw the HBO series, which I cannot recommend enough, uh, Sawyer and Frank, who were former members who appear in the series, Sawyer was the like kind of hippy dippy guy who like plays the answer. Oh, because you haven't seen it. But okay. Seen, I was like, they were all hippy dippy. So I don't know like what designation that, okay. They actually weren't. Really, they weren't, none of them were hippy dippy. Uh, they were all just like computer nerd people That's, who believed yes, in aliens. Yes, it's so, been too long. I'm clearly forgetting. It's it's the always vibe. A, a decent assumption that if you're in a cult, you're hippy dippy. It's eh. a decent assumption. After fucking the vow, <gasps> after the vow, I have completely revised. It my turned your shit around. That. It really did because they fucking. Yeah. Went after the cream of the crop, the best of the best, brightest and most brilliant. Like, that's what they were looking for. If you had power, if you had wealth, if you had influence, like, that's what they wanted. I mean, that was kind of a similar thing with Heaven's Gate. These were people who were very, very smart. They funded their enterprise by doing computer programming work. Yeah. You know, so they're not fucking stupid. So for those of you who have watched the Heaven's Gate series, the podcast features Sawyer and Frank. Sawyer's the hippy-dippy guy who plays like instruments, and he was the one who's kind of very devastated that he left and is still waiting to rejoin the class. And then there's Frank, who is the one with the speech issue. I'm not going to say why, because I don't want to spoil this for Amy, but... You fucking know if you've seen it. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, they, so they both are, are featured throughout the podcast. And it's, Glenn Washington does really excellent work. Was it interviews with them or it's just like, um. Yeah. So they do have interviews with them. Okay. And it's just. I don't know it was sound bites or things well, like that. Well, so it's, it's 10 episodes and each episode covers a different aspect of it. So they interview. Interesting. Tons of people. So it's, the interview will be kind of chopped up over multiple episodes and one of the episodes is 
about how Glenn Washington was like, uh, yeah, I definitely was raised in an apocalyptic cult. What? And so I kind of can super identify that it's like when I was, you know, a teenager, if our leader said, if you drink this right now, you'll get to meet Jesus. I can't say I wouldn't have done it at that time. So scary. That's such a scary thought. Yeah. Yeah. So there's one episode that it's the producer interviewing the host, Glenn Washington, about his specific experience. Fascinating. Yeah. It's really, really fascinating. And did he say what was just like, I don't want to say like a generic cult, but did this cult have a name that he was raised in? Or was was it just like this kind of local, small time cult? gonna look it up you know your old local cults yeah. you know <laughs> uh so glenn washington was in the worldwide church of god oh okay that sounds super generic but right which was cult names too so there you go right it was an apocalyptic religious cult that you have to name it something appealing you can't call it the apocalyptic religious cult because then people will want to join so i get it yeah and especially yeah. if you're like a good christian person yes you're you need it to be to sound Jesus adjacent, at least. Yes, yes. So the Worldwide Church of God is like, oh, okay. Yeah, yes. obviously. So he talks about his experience in it and... And he was raised in it. He was raised in it, yeah. And just the really crazy things and and just that thing that happens of how... In that um, cult specifically, although, you know, people do it a lot, where they would take passages from the Bible and they would just kind of crop them and pick and choose which ones to reinforce whatever the fuck they were saying. They can interpret this however you want to interpret it for our own needs. Yeah. And depending on, there's literally anything, everything in the Bible to justify everything exists. Yeah. To justify murder, you're like, well, God asked Abraham, I believe. To murder his Girl, kids. you are I know. asking the wrong fucking person. <laughs> I believe I'm asking you this question. Yeah. It's like, well, he, he asked him to murder his kids. like, And he was like, yeah, totally. And at the 11th hour, God was like, no, I know that you're super devoted because you, I know you were going to do it. it. But like, no. But you don't have to do it. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have that thing of renaming yourself and leaving everything behind and leaving your family behind. It's like, that's what the disciples did. So everything can be manipulated to reinforce whatever you're saying. Yes. And in this cult that Glenn Washington was in, he said that that's how they would get you. They'd be like, well, look at the book, look at the Bible. And then when you would give a counter thing, when you would give a counter quote, they would have another one lined up yeah that's how they get you man it's it's fucking it's insidious like it's that just constant exactly and it's it's under the guise of no these are the facts yes and it's like if my counter argument is not a counter argument it's like your interpretation and you're not interpreting it right like here's here's the real information now exactly counter your argument basically yeah Yeah, it's not these are my beliefs it's like no this is leviticus 4 15 like it's in writing there so you're wrong you're wrong it's so right i can't imagine growing up in that i really can't i know and then but then at the same time like the people who grew up in it Like, I get it. Yeah. And it's so normal to you. And everyone you're surrounded with believes all of these same things. And it's just reinforcing all of the things you've been brainwashed into thinking from the time you're a little kid. Exactly. And it's that thing of, they also encourage you to not speak with outsiders because if you do, then they'll question you. And then you might start questioning what you're in. Yes. Yeah. 
did he talk about how he got out at all as well? Yes. Okay. He talked about, so Glenn Washington is an African-American. And has the most wonderful voice. Oh As soon as you recommended the Spooked podcast to me, I think it texted you as soon as he came on. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know who this is. But his voice is just... Oh, I could go to sleep to it. It's so amazing. Like, it's velvet. Oh, velvet. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, so he talks about how he couldn't get on board with the blatant racism of the cult. Oh, shit. Okay. And how they used the Bible to justify it. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And that it was like, I can't. And was he just like, was he like graduating high school at that point and he just could go off on his own or like, because cults don't really like to let you go. Right. I think he was in college. I think he'd already gone away to college when that had happened. But it was, he talked about really crazy shit, like how there was no mixing of the races. Shit. So, so you couldn't date anyone who was not your race and not in your religion. Wow. So for him, that meant he couldn't date because the Period. next yeah, right? black family was 150 miles away from where he was. Wow. And he talks about the story that's, it's so fucking wild. And I just don't get why we just can't all be cool. <laughs> it, 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 you hear it and you're like, this is the craziest shit in the world. That there was a girl, they went to some meeting or some gathering 150 miles away and there was a girl who was black there and I was like finally oh my god like this is my opportunity I could I could date this chick I could get involved with her because she's literally my only option according to my fucking religion but apparently her dad was white so she had to write a fucking letter to like the head council and took a picture of herself with like a lot of flash so she looked much lighter than she was <gasps> to be like, Hey, can you, can I be like officially reassigned my race? <gasps> because I'm, my dad's white and clearly I'm white passing oh, so that I can date my God. And they did. So she was like, I can't date you or have anything to do with you because as per the church, I am officially white. That is wild. Wild. Like I can't jaws on the floor. Like yeah. what? Yeah. How did they even get into this cult in the first place? That does not seem like it's particularly welcoming. Well, they don't fucking lead with that shit. I guess not. They always lead with like the stuff that everyone agrees on. The kingdom of heaven, Jesus, love. This is part of a community. Love your neighbor. neighbor. Don't you want to help the world? Don't you want to make it a better place? Don't you want to be your best self? Who was going to say no? Everyone says yes to that. That's how they get everyone in, in every fucking cult. Or, you know, don't you feel like you don't really belong here? Don't you feel weird? Like you're misunderstood. We understand you. Yeah, I get that. I would fall for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like, no, I'm weird and misunderstood. Like, that's me. That's me. Hi. How did you know? Crazy. Do you need my first or full name? Yeah. (laughs) Social security number? Like, Like, what are you looking for? Yeah. (laughs) What do you need? Uh, yeah, so it's really been great, the Heaven's Gate podcast. I'll have to check it out, because that's really interesting, and I enjoy him thoroughly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's definitely a bit jarring to hear his interview, because there is his performer voice voice and his regular voice. (laughs) They're not the same. (laughs) I like his performer voice so much, though. Am I going to be disappointed? Now I'm worried. No, because the rest of the podcast, you hear him throughout. Okay. And when you hear him, because he physically meets with the family members of those who passed in Heaven's Gate. 
Wow. So you'll hear the interview of like, oh, this was a picture of your daughter. She's so beautiful, blah, blah. And Glenn Washington, if you don't know, he has like a very white baritone sex voice situation happening. It's so great. He has the best voice. Correct. So to hear him talk like a normal dude... It's a little jarring because there's still that, that essence is there, but it's not, there, there's not an affectation to it. I gotcha. I have a couple episodes and they're, the episodes run like 30, 40 minutes ish. So really okay. easy to bang out. I'm really loving it. Like I said, if you're fascinated by the story or if you really enjoyed the HBO series, or if you don't know dick about Heaven's Gate, uh, check out the podcast. I love podcasts because it's a great thing to listen to while doing kind of anything else. Yeah. Like folding laundry or doing laundry. Or cleaning in any yeah. way, shape, or form. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I guess, like the really well, interesting news of the week for yeah. me. Yeah. I love it. I've just been rewatching old episodes of Reno 911. So I can't, I know. <laughs> we moved on from Survivor. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's been a while since <laughs> we went through all of the Survivor. I know it's unbelievable, but yeah, we actually, I think, watched all of it. And that's why we had to, like, that's take a, a commitment. Step back. So, yeah, now we're rewatching Reno 911. And of course, the new Marvel show, because it came out this week Falcon and the Winter Soldier, because WandaVision is officially over. It is over. I was hearing that you had to watch a thing. Oh. None of this is going to make any sense. I saw an article that I didn't click on that said, you have to watch another thing for that show to make sense. For the Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Yes. Probably. I mean, realistically, <laughs> you have to watch probably like All six movies at least to like get the backstory. Maybe because I'm going to assume a character comes back. Because Johnny was like, oh, that's the guy from the, the whatever movie. And I was just like, uh-huh, sure, yeah. I'll take your word for it. I don't recognize him at all. So maybe that's why. Because then mm. you wouldn't know who this, like, one character was, maybe? I don't know. I basically have only seen the Iron Man movies. Robert Downey Jr., I'm in love with you. And He's great. I mean, Sebastian Stan. Who the fuck is that? He plays Bucky. He's the Winter Soldier. Oh, fuck Bucky. Oh, he's so hot, though. Have we not talked about Winter Soldier? You, well, you don't like that one, no. correct? No, okay, okay. <laughs> you don't like his knife flipping? He's such a good knife okay. flipper. Okay, this is, we're gonna, I have, lots of people in real life have come for me about this. I'm adamant and staunch on my fucking position about Winter Soldier. Here it is. This is Monique's hot take for the next couple of minutes. About the movie, yes. The Winter Soldier. About okay. the movie, The Winter Soldier. Captain America, The Winter Soldier, yes. Captain, yes, thank you. <laughs> Captain America, The Winter Soldier. Colon, Okay. Okay. I don't understand how this movie was more than five minutes long. The entire premise of Winter Soldier is Captain America, who is, for those who don't know, is a guy who basically has been given like superhuman juice to be like the perfect American soldier. And in the comics has fought in every American war and is everything good and everything light and everything amazing. Right? So Bucky, his best friend, dies... And then he's reanimated by the bad guys Hydra. to be a bad guy. Yeah. Hydra, great. <laughs> the entire conflict of Winter Soldier is Captain America being like, do I kill my best friend who is not my best friend anymore, but a bad guy? Yes! But conflict <laughs> is over! Why is this a 90-minute movie? I don't understand this fucking movie. I don't understand it. And I'm looking at our audio right now, and I understand it's spiking because this is how passionately I feel about this. My friend, I was taken on a date 
to watch this movie and I literally did not understand why this movie existed and why it wasn't like a previously on Captain America. <laughs> like you could have just filled it in there. Like they used to do with Arrested Development that they'd be like a previously on and it didn't happen. happen they just be all. like, this is what happened. That's what happened. Just fucking kill Bucky. Who gives a fuck? And I've heard that people are like, oh, oh, but he becomes good. I don't give a fuck. The, the Winter Soldier is maddening to me and <laughs> probably just like verification that I'm just not a good person. And I like you totally... wouldn't try to save no! your best friend from the bad guys. He's been like turned into the Manchurian candidate, basically, where like he doesn't know who he is anymore. Okay. He's I... just a tool for them. They've brainwashed him. He's been in a cult, basically. He was in the Hydra cult, and you're just like, kill him. He's not worth saving. That's what you're telling me. No, because he died. And then they reanimated him. No? Isn't that the deal? He didn't get brainwashed. He died and is now a different thing. Okay, perfect example. So I had this conversation. I, like, I don't even know. That's, that's <laughs> terrible. And I'm going to end up getting, having to watch Winter Soldier again because I didn't know. We don't have to tell Johnny you don't know. <laughs> Please don't tell Johnny. No, we don't have to tell him. No, okay. I was... I was at a bar party, what the, what the fuck ever, because I was gonna, I was with my friend and we went to go see someone in a show that she was doing a show with and he was doing a separate show, but whatever. It's the bullshit that actors have to do. So we're at the bar and I noticed that the guy who did the show has a Batman ring. And I was like, Hey, hmm, Batman's the tits. Let's talk about this. So we're talking blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, is it safe to assume you're also an Iron Man fan? And he's like, no, Captain America. And I was like, I literally don't understand this. So then we get into Winter Soldier, and he oh God. says the same bullshit that everyone says. That, that he I just said? Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't try to save your friend. So, so my friend, at, during this conversation, went to the restroom and is not present for it. So he goes, okay, well, I'm going to make this personal for you so that you can, you know, so it's close to home. Okay. Right? And you're he like, goes, no, kill him. <laughs> so wait. So, so he goes, let's assume there's a zombie apocalypse. I was like, first of all, you don't know me at all because I would already be out. Primero. No, correct. Yeah. Yes. Tapping the fuck out. Day one. Exactly. So he's like, let's say there's a zombie apocalypse and your friend in the bathroom gets turned into a zombie. That's not a fair... And I go, two in the head. It's a wrap. Double tap. Goodbye. Yeah, we're done. Double tap. And he was horrified by this response that... This, this is zombie, like, agreement 101. Like, if I turn into a zombie, you kill me. There's no coming back from being a zombie. Like, I don't think that's... Yeah, unethical. No, apparently I'm supposed to, like, try and find a cure or some shit. So no, this it's a zombie fucking apocalypse. You just murder them. Yes. So, God, this is me agreeing to a murder trust. Son of a bitch. You me. can't I told help you, it. I told you it wouldn't come back to this, <laughs> and it fucking did. Damn it. Okay. Amy literally said, literally her words before <laughs> clicking record was... At least I haven't agreed to murder trust yet. No, she says, at least I haven't agreed to murder trust. And I go, yet. Boom. How many minutes are we in? Less than 30. Less than 30. (laughs) The true colors are coming out. Uh, So I have just said, double tap, two in the head. It's a wrap. Done. He's horrified. Of course. In this, my friend shows up from the bathroom. (laughs) And then to wrap me out, he goes to her and says, I was just talking to Monique. And I asked her. If there was a zombie apocalypse and you turned into a zombie, she didn't allow him to finish. She's like, oh, no, I'm dead. She's killing me in a second. Yeah. I'm like, yes. Thank you. Correct. And I would expect the same from you because we're friends and I'm not going to let you fucking live as a zombie and possibly maybe eat my face later. Right. And I wouldn't want, if I was the zombie, for you to be afraid that I was going to eat your face. I'm scared of dogs because I think they're going (laughs) to eat my face. Okay. I'm not going to kill a dog. 
But like, you're, so you're gonna tell me what? I don't understand why Winter Soldier exists. I just I don't understand it. And basically, there is no person who can justify it to me. Sorry, Sebastian Stan. <laughs> Can't do it. The movie was ridiculous to me. It was insane and ridiculous, and I have no idea why it was made. It's so funny because I feel like it's actually one of Johnny's favorite Marvel movies. So. Ugh. <laughs> I can't. He, I don't know if you can hear the face I'm making, but it is. Face is particularly palpable. good. Yeah, I mean, okay. Here's the thing. He loves Captain America. Ugh, I know. Ugh. And I'm always like, fucking. There's Tony, nothing Tony interesting. Stark, yes, Tony Stark all the way. Iron Man any day yeah. over Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers is great. He's a sweetheart. And sure, on your left, yeah. great. But like, no, I want to like tortured fucking billionaire I want inventor a guy genius. Who's complicated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, well, the show was good. I'm enjoying it for all of Monique's <laughs> Winter Soldier hate. I'm a Scorpio. I have very strong feelings about lots of things. And I'm Cuban. And I just have strong feelings about things. And Winter Soldier is really high on the priority list. Just now you know. I know now. I'm not going to bring it up again, you guys. No, you can. You can bring it up. Just be aware that you're unleashing the Kraken. I, before and- I... And I'm going to go on my tirade of I don't understand what the actual conflict of this was and why this was a 90-minute movie. At minimum, it's probably like two hours long. I'm clearly going to have to write a term paper about (laughs) the benefits of the Winter Soldier and why he deserved to live. And I'm going to do a deep dive. Do it. And then I will return it to you with the notes and being like, (laughs) it'll just be, this is objectively wrong. Sorry, I'm sure he probably helped out in the the final Avenger, whatever the fuck. I don't know. I, I can't commit ten years of my life to watching Marvel movies. I have That's shit fine. to do and have bills to pay. I'm sorry. No there tea, are... no shade. If you guys are into it, it's just not superhero movies are not my thing. And if you're not, if you are not the Michael Keaton Batman or Tony Stark, I kind of can't fuck with you. Like that's kind of where I live. All right. I mean, I fucking loved Thor Ragnarok. Sure. And I tried to watch one of them and I was like, there's way too many people in in this. I don't know who any of these fucking people are because I hadn't watched the 15 movies that came out in between the two. Yeah. And I am not invested enough to do that. Did you see Ragnarok? No. Okay. You you have to watch that one because that one is kind of episodic in that it's like a very... But then all of the other ones show up and I'm like, who the fuck is this asshole? That's the issue. I haven't, I don't know who all these people are. Uh, it's a very, it's mainly, cause it's like kind of like a side story almost mm-hmm. before they like reunite back with everybody. So you really don't like, you know who Thor is, you know who Hulk is. Like, I don't know you get introduced to Valkyrie. That's Mark Ruffalo, right? Ugh, yeah. Fucking babe. Jeff Goldblum's in it. Like, oh. it's fucking great. It's okay. the best, it's the best one in my opinion. And it's the director who did What We Do in the Shadows. It's oh, Taika Waititi. Oh. Yes. And that's why it's amazing. Because he's amazing. Okay. Period. Bottom line. I'll watch that one. That one, yes. I'll watch that one. Highly recommended. Better than Winter Soldier, in my opinion. I kind of feel like that bar is so fucking low. (laughs) Anything will be better than Winter Soldier. And I know that when this drops, I'm going to get tons of hate DMs about it. Come for me. I literally don't give a fuck. (laughs) I love all of you, but like no one is going to change my mind on this. (laughs) I was like, if anyone can, it's me, and I have my work cut out for me. I can tell. I can already foresee Christina sending me a text that's just not, no preface, no nothing, just ha 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 ha, and I'll know that it's about my rant about Winter Soldier. 
<laughs> it's fine. That's totally fine. Yeah. I accept this. Yeah. I mean, you're not... I'm not you're wrong. You're not wrong. No, there's nothing about what I'm saying is wrong. I, I get it. When you when you put it in the black and white zombie terms that you did... I'm not fucking wrong. Yeah. What, I'm supposed to become a fucking scientist now and figure this out? No. No. I have a drama degree. She's the fucking chemist, not me. Get the, you're two in the head. Goodbye. Here's the thing. Even with a chemistry girl, not solving the zombie apocalypse. I'm shooting everyone else two in the head too. Like, no. Yeah. Like, I don't know if, if we've mentioned it on this podcast, that there's this meme that's been going around about, you know, if we get rid of the police, who's going to solve crimes? And it's like white women with murder podcast. podcasts. I'm not solving shit. I don't know if that hasn't been made clear. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm that. not solving anything. Kudos I, to those who do and can. Like, yes, if ten, that's your goal, if that's what you're doing, like, amazing. I support that 100 fucking percent. 10,000 percent. We are aware that we are not that. And we, Nor are we trying to be that. No. I am not trying to solve anything. No, we're just talking about things that we find interesting. I'm not solving that, and I'm not unprogramming Bucky Barnes. <laughs> <laughs> She's not going to de-Manchurian him, apparently, so no, there you man. go. No. I mean, it's fine. They, they already de-Manchuriated him. Yeah, I know. Of course they fucking did, because they're superheroes, and I'm not. That's fine. <laughs> the, this is my curse that I live with. <laughs> uh... <laughs> That took a turn. That did take a turn. <laughs> Sebastian stands hot. That's really that's really all I was going for with this. I kind of don't remember if he is. Oh, he is. He is. I was just so enraged as to why. <laughs> you couldn't even focus. No, I was like, why is this happening? Why he, am I here? He also, I feel like, has long hair in Winter Soldier. And he's got kind of that, like, that. greasy, like. I like that. Do you? Oh, I like him better with short hair. I, You know, I'm fucked up because I like, I like a clean cut boy for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. I don't know if this was mentioned on this podcast. Very early on in Amy and I's friendship, there was a thing about which Jamie Lannister would you fuck? <laughs> the no hand one, obviously. Obviously, you want the one who's seen some shit and been through some shit. He's got the beard, he's got the haunted eyes. Yes. That's who everything. You yeah, of course. Of course. What am I gonna think the the nice, like picture perfect pretty boy one? No, that's not fun. That's not interesting. Oh, important to note, this conversation was with her boyfriend, Johnny, because Amy and I were very much on the same page of this, and he was not. He was, like, into the clean-cut, sister-banging, you know, (laughs) multi-hand Jamie Lannister. (laughs) (laughs) Multi-hand! And that was not the correct answer. Uh, He also thought Jon Snow was hotter than Robb Stark, and we... Objectively wrong. Objectively wrong. Yeah, no. Sorry, Jon Snow. No. Harrington. But I like, mean, no. I like a brooder, but mm-hmm. it just got kind of super annoying. You know why? Because he was too good. Because he was, um, that he was a fucking idiot. Like Captain America <laughs> and like fucking <laughs> Superman. I can't get on board with it. I can't get on board with the Boy Scout shit. I can't. It's just not interesting to me. I get it. No, I totally get it. I'm totally with you. I'd rather so have when the he got shimmed one. by everyone. Really cool. I wasn't even like cool. It was like, homie, what did you expect? You got to be savage in the streets to survive. Yeah, I mean prison rules. He didn't even die. He fucking got brought back from the dead anyway. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, he. Well, yeah. Whatever. Anyway, objectively wrong. Objectively wrong. <laughs> That's what matters. <laughs> so yeah, don't give us a pretty boy do-gooder. Dark, no. damaged, interesting complicated complicated but trying to do good all right that's what i want okay and then they fuck up <laughs> inevitably. I, I appreciate inevitably it yeah 
that's why I couldn't really get on board with James Bond. He's too flawless. He's too cool. It's not relatable. Indiana Jones fucks of, up a lot. He does actually fuck up a lot. A lot. And he, he never knows forgets it. his hat, though. He doesn't. And he know. And when he fucks up, he's like, oh, fuck. Yeah. How relatable is that shit? It is very relatable. True. We were talking about, a, like, drug-addicted characters. Yeah. And that's how relatable that is. Yeah. And I forgot to mention this list, but also up there, House. I don't know if you ever watched House. But I didn't, but I know that he falls into that, like, perfectly. Does. And yeah. that it... Oh, He's such a good, interesting character. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I used to be obsessed with that show. I did also have the hots for Wilson, who's the goody two-shoes, but house any day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It would be a thing, like, I'd probably date the goody two-shoes, but would be pining for the fucked up guy. Right? Yeah. That's fucked up. But it makes sense. I get it. <laughs> it's like he's- We're so, all a little fucked up. I mean, yeah, yeah. I would think so. We have a murder podcast, so. <laughs> so we're not normal. <laughs> but we're not alone. One of no, us. One of us. <laughs> I do have one mini correction. Ooh, tell me. I said last episode that penicillin was invented in 1907, 1928. Yes. There you go. That's it. <laughs> That's it? Well, I'll do, I'll do a slight mini correction as well, which yeah. I feel like... In my story, I did not explicitly say that Long got the death penalty. So then when I say that he's executed, that seems sort of confusing. Just to clarify, Long got the death penalty for the murder of Michelle Sims. Hence why he was killed. He didn't just get life sentences. But I did not make that explicitly clear. So there you go. Great. Corrections, Connor. Would you like to regale us with your tale? I always. Yes. I love to regale people with a good tale. So I'll just start with my my sources first. I primarily used the British Medical Journal, volume 315, published uh-huh. December 1997, uh-huh. which I found on researchgate.net. I also used ripleys.com archive.randy.org and that's randy with an i and scientificamerican.com i might have some more later but if i do i will reference them because i don't know what you're going to want to talk about with me afterwards so we'll see i'm intrigued capital a capital f mission accomplished (laughs) okay so The scientific article that I got from the British Medical Journal was called Diagnosis Made by Hallucinatory Voices. Oh. And it's by Dr. Apologies on the pronunciation for this. I'm going to try my best. So Dr. Aiki Chukwa Azuone. Again, apologies if that's not pronounced correctly. So it's a scientific article, and while consent was given to publish a case study about this, due to doctor-patient confidentiality, the woman in the story is referred to only as A.B. The letter A, the letter B? The letter A, the letter B. Got it. A.B. So, A.B. was born in continental Europe in the mid-1940s and finally settled in Britain in the late 1960s. After a series of jobs, she got married, started a family, and settled down as a housewife and a mother. Because she had always been in good health, she rarely went to her general practitioner and had never had any hospital treatment. One night, in the winter of 1984, she was at home reading when she heard a voice inside her head. The voice was distinct, definitely not her own, and it said clearly, quote, Please don't be afraid. I know it must be shocking for you to hear me speaking to you like this, 
but this is the easiest way I could think of. My friend and I used to work at the Children's Hospital, Great Ormond Street, and we would like to help you. Mm. End quote. A.B. had heard of the Children's Hospital, but didn't know where it was and had certainly never been there before. Since she knew her children were healthy, she wasn't worried about them, but she was frightened nonetheless. Once again, she heard the voice and it said, to help you see that we are sincere, we would like you to check out the following. And then the voice gave her three separate pieces of information. So this is, this is not a person. This is a voice that's telling her. This is a voice inside her head, completely distinct from her own. This is not her own voice. Holy shit. So the voice gives her three separate pieces of information, which she did not previously have any knowledge of. So obviously, A.B. checked them out. And even though all three of them were true, (gasps) she was not reassured at all and had already decided that she had gone crazy. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck? Because what the fuck else would be happening? In a state of panic, she went to see her doctor, who immediately referred her to Dr. Azwone a consulting psychiatrist at Lamberth Healthcare NHS Trust. After an examination, which showed no medical explanation for what A.B. had heard, Dr. Azuone diagnosed her with a functional hallucinatory psychosis. A.B. was prescribed thyroidazine and general supportive counseling as treatment. To A.B.'s intense relief, the voices disappeared after a couple of weeks with treatment to the point that she felt comfortable going on vacation with her family. But while she was abroad the voices returned, (gasps) despite still taking the medication. Oh, shit. This time, they told her that she needed to return to England immediately because there was something wrong with her that needed immediate treatment. This time, the voices had also given her an address. When she returned to London, just to reassure herself that it was all in her mind, she reluctantly asked her husband to take her to the address the voices had given her. When they arrived, she saw that they were at the diagnostic imaging wing of a large London hospital. Uh The voices then told her to go in and ask to have a brain scan (gasps) for two reasons. They said, one, she had a tumor in her brain. Oh my God. And two, her brainstem was inflamed. Oh my God. And because the voices had already told her specific things in the past that had turned out to be true. And the address just so happens to be where she'd get a fucking brain scan. And they're like, B2 dubs. Yeah. Go in there because your brain is fucked. Because your brain is fucked. I know for me, I don't hear voices, but I'll get a feeling of knowing a thing. But it's not like a specific voice being like, Winnie, go to the Rite Aid. And I have always interpreted things like Joan of Arc or whatever, saying that she heard the voice of God telling her to do things, that it was that. And not like, no, there's a separate, very clear voice being like, at the left, you're going to make this thing and not like an intuitive like I feel like I should do this now yeah so that's very interesting to me yes the idea that you could hear a voice because I talk to myself in my head all the time I've like running commentary constantly but like the idea that you could hear a voice in your head that was fundamentally not your own and you know that know that it's not your own it's very strange yeah I'm obsessed with the story because it's fucking weird as fuck I'm into it so because the voices had already told her specific things in the past that had turned out to be true, Amy believed them when they said that she had a tumor and was incredibly distressed when she saw Dr. Azuone the following day. During this time, she was also apparently having other beliefs of a delusional nature, but they did not go into what those were. So they're alleging that she has like delusional situations happening. 
Yes. In addition they did not say what those were. They did not say like what the extent of those were. If they were just like mild delusions. I, d- it, I don't think she, you know, believed she was God or anything like right. on that level. Anything like that. And again, these voices that she's supposedly hearing are... She says are like people talking to her too. Like they said they used to work at a hospital. Like it's not like, oh, I'm hearing the voice of God. I'm hearing, you know, just some ethereal spirit or whatever you want to believe the masters or something are talking to you. Like she's like, I hear people telling me they used to work in a hospital talking to me in my head. Wow. So A.D. told Dr. Azuone about the address and the tumor and that the voices had told her specifically to get a brain scan. Despite not having any physical signs or symptoms to suggest a tumor, such as headaches, vision problems, or nausea, the doctor, wanting to reassure her that everything was fine and that it was all in her head, requested a brain scan. And this is not the United States, correct? This is not. This all takes place in England. Try rolling into a fucking hospital and being like, hey, um, could you give me a brain scan, please? They're going to tell you, go fuck yourself. You're going to be like, who's the referring physician? And let me see your insurance card. There's no way this is happening. No. There's no way this is happening in the U.S. Here's the thing. (laughs) Uh, They weren't even really down with it in the U.K. Because... For sure. Because they're like, who the fuck is you and why are you here? Yeah. Because literally they said that there was no clinical justification to run these tests. But if you know, you know. And you can't explain it to a doctor. Her doctor had to argue to get her this test because they were like, she has no signs. She has no symptoms. Like nothing is indicative that she has a tumor in any way, shape, or form. You're basically like falling for this kind of like they thought he was going overboard and right. he was just like believing her delusions basically although it took some convincing they finally agreed to do a ct scan on ab in april of 1984 and boy did that imager feel like an asshole with egg on his face he sure did yep the initial findings led to a repeat scan with enhancement the scan revealed a left posterior frontal parafalcine mass which had all the appearances of a mengenoma or a tumor that forms just inside the skull on the membranes that cover the brain and spinal cord. Meaning, the voices were right. I'm obsessed. AB did indeed have a tumor, despite having no symptoms to indicate that that was the case. I'm obsessed. No, because things like that with cancer, this is not a doctor speaking, but that's why regular checks are so important. Because when you feel bad, you're fucked. Yeah, that's when you know, like, it's... It could be too late, literally. It's, yeah, it happens a lot. That's why get your regular checkups. I know they're a pain in the dick, but literally when you start feeling bad is when you are completely fucked. Yeah, better safe than sorry. For like, sure. Get your shit checked. Although there were no headaches or any other focal neurological deficits related to the mass, the consulting neurologist weighed the pros and cons of the immediate operation with AB and her husband. They decided that rather than wait for symptoms to appear, they wanted to proceed with an immediate operation. During the surgery, the tumor was able to be completely removed. When A.B. regained consciousness after the operation, she said the voices told her, quote, We are pleased to have helped you. Goodbye. (gasps) End quote. A.B. had no post-operative complications, and the antipsychotic medication they had prescribed was discontinued immediately after the operation. Afterwards, neither the hallucinatory voices nor the delusions which she had previously expressed returned. I am obsessed with this obsessed to the point that like i need them to make a documentary about this i think i mean so this is the the resident catholic of the podcast being like those are angels like those are her angels being like go we got you you're gonna go into the science as to why that's not the case maybe but that's the only thing that makes sense to (laughs) me it's guardian angels basically it's your guardian angels or yeah i mean yeah that's 
basically what like ab believed is that like those were her guardian angels who saved her because i would because they kind of did yeah because if this was psychosis like they're not gonna have street addresses where it's actually the thing and being like go you know what i mean like yeah and your brain is very strange so like for sure your brain is storing information that you think you don't have access to and you have no idea you're like no i know i don't know this address i would never remember this address but like your Maybe. brain actually could remember that address and you have no conscious For sure. knowledge of your memory of that. However, that still exists. 10,000%. And your brain can reference that without your knowledge, basically. 10,000%. But this level of... It's a little fucking crazy. And especially I, when there isn't a situation... Like if you've ever gone to a doctor because something was wrong and because you're not a doctor, you don't know how to say what the wrong thing is. You're just like, there's something wrong. And then the doctor's like, hmm, you're just being hysterical. Yeah, no, Goodbye. Yeah. Even on WebMD too much. Right. Oh, you don't know. You don't know. Okay. Although realistically, anything you type into WebMD, the result will always be cancer. Just yeah. In case you and ever, you're dying. Yes. every single time, it doesn't matter what it is. You could be like, my arm is a cheek cancer. Because everything can be cancer, Moni. I know. Yes. <laughs> So it's not that of like, I know there's something wrong and the doctor is telling me there isn't, but I know there's something wrong. No, this chick is like putzing around her life yeah, and has this, she feels fine. And, and the voice being like, no bitch, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. Molly, you in danger, girl. In danger. And the fact that like they gave her medication to get rid of the voices and it did briefly. And she was like, great, this is amazing. Thank God. Like I'm, right. I'm, back. I was I'm not crazy nuts. anymore. Yeah. Like now I can go on vacation with my family and enjoy it. And then it's like. Hi. Yeah, you took medication, but we're not gone. We're still here. You need to go get fucking checked out. Some shit is wrong. And with not you. just. But here's the thing. It's not even some shit is wrong with you. It's, you have a this tumor. This is specifically what is wrong with you. This is specifically who you're gonna go see, and this is specifically where you're gonna see them, and you're gonna yes. specifically ask for this thing, girl. It's a lot. That's a level of psychosis that I just can't get on board with. I mean, agreed. While it is well known that intracranial lesions can cause psychiatric symptoms, Dr. Azuone said that this is the first and only instance in which hallucinatory voices sought to reassure the patient of their genuine interest in her welfare, offered her a specific diagnosis, since there were no clinical signs that would have alerted anyone to the tumor, directed her to the type of hospital best equipped to deal with her problem, <laughs> expressed pleasure yes. that she had received the treatment they desired for her, and then bid her farewell, never to be heard from again. I mean, come on, girl. It's insanity. Yes. And again, this it's is... It's insanity in that it's not insanity. Exactly. And again, this is from... This is published in the British Medical Journal. This is not like some shit you just like read in a blog post yeah. online. Like, yeah. This is fucking legit. Legit enough to be published in... That the people writing it published it in a medical journal. Yes. Yeah. So Dr. Azuone presented AB's unusual case at a conference later that year. AB was also in attendance to answer questions about her experience, which, oh my God, I would have loved Ugh. to have been part of that. I have so many questions. Yes. I have so many questions. It seems the audience was split down the middle regarding what was occurring in the bizarre case of AB's auditory hallucinations. Some believed that what had happened to her was a clear instance of of telepathic communication from two well-meaning people who had psychically found that AB had a tumor and sought to help her. Uh, sure. Sure. I mean, sure. Which is an interesting theory, and... And there's the allegedly medical intuitives. Oh, tell me more. What is that? It's mentioned a little bit in Surviving Death, 
that there's psychics who can look at you and say there's this thing is wrong with you, blah, 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 blah. Okay. And it's almost like they're sensing your energy or they're reading your chi yeah. or something. Yeah, that they're like, chakra. this thing is wrong with you. Like, yeah. check your liver out because there's something wrong with you. I've never heard of a medical intuitive being like, you have a brain tumor and swelling in your brain stem. Yes. Like, I've never heard it be that. I also have never been to a medical intuitive, but from what I've seen and, and heard of, it's... It's always very vague, which adds to the it's charlatan. Like, hey, there's a tumor on your brainstem. Called it to a T. Yes. Yeah. So sure, if you want to say that there's actually a medical intuitive who also has like the shining, if you will, can literally like project their voice into somebody else's head. I mean, sure, sure. Okay. Yeah. I know she didn't make it up. That's that's the camp that I'm in. This isn't her brain being like. I watched one too many episodes of House, and we're going to have this this kinky right now. <laughs> I've decided. You have a tumor on your brainstem. You watched Grey's Anatomy last night, and we're going to replay that. Like fucking Stephanie Arnold. Yeah. Her, her husband was like, how do, you know, how do you know that you weren't replaying an episode of Grey's Anatomy? It's like, bitch, I fucking know. Because you know. Because I know. Yes. A.B. knows. A.B. fucking knows. And it fucking saved her life. Holy shit. Yeah. And this is really where like most of my questions stem from because these voices that came into her head said that they, as I said, I guess, but they implied that they worked in hospitals, worked in hospitals, like were in the medical field. So like, did they say their names? Like, were these real people? Were these people that were currently alive at this time? Were these people who had passed away, but had previously worked in the medical field? Like, I have so many questions and not nearly enough answers that's why I need I need them to make a documentary about this because I want so much more information than I have. For sure. So yeah, so so it seems like if we're positing that, then there could be a shining situation happening. Right? Which again, there are people that I feel very, very intuitively connected to that I know when they're doing certain things, I know when they're thinking of me, I know when they're having a bad day. But I don't hear their voice talking to me. No. You know what I mean? And Especially do, not strangers. No. Do yeah. any of you guys have that? Which, if you do, my God, please let us know. Yes. Apparently it is, I will get into it in a moment, far more common. Oh, shit! Than you would think, yes. For people who even are not, who are perfectly healthy, who don't have any signs of mental illness or anything. I'll get into the Guys, the email us, another fucking horror podcast yeah. at gmail.com, period, instead of the you and fucking. Yes. Have you heard things? Have people talked to you? I want all of the information. Yeah, because I've, again, it's an intuitive feeling thing for yes. me and not a, an audible thing for me. I can't imagine it being... I would feel like, like I'd freak the fuck out. Yes. Where you would have like a moment where you were jarred by it and like, like, look around you? and like, who the fuck is talking to you? Where is that voice coming from? Terrifying. Yeah. I honestly can't even imagine. I have only dabbled in having a hallucination and it was very short, very mild, and it was strictly visual. Mm. So I cannot even imagine how terrifying it would be to hear someone else's voice in your own head. Like, I can't get over that. When you're not doing drugs and you're just living your life. Oh my God. So obviously some people believe that this was some sort of telepathic communication However, some skeptics claimed that A.B. had most likely already been given the diagnosis of a brain tumor in her own country, but wanting free treatment under the NHS, she made up the story about the voices. However, 
AB had already been living in Britain for 15 years oh, when she started you. hearing the voices. So she would have already been entitled to NHS treatment. And again, like I said, had been so relieved when she started taking this medication and the voices went away that like she went on holiday with her family. Yeah. Be like, yay, let's celebrate. I'm not going crazy. Yeah. So it's unlikely that that was the case. Another theory put forth was that despite a lack of physical signs or symptoms, it was unlikely that a tumor that size had absolutely no effect on the patient. So they argued that she must have felt something Mm. and suggested that an unexplainable, quote unquote, funny feeling in her head had led her to fear, perhaps even subconsciously, that she had a brain tumor and that fear caused her to experience these hallucinatory voices. They claim that she most likely unconsciously took in more information about various hospitals than she realized, and that this information was reproduced by her mind as part of the auditory hallucinatory experience. Okay, I'm going to call some bullshit on this. Only because uh, a very good friend of mine had a very sizable brain tumor a couple years ago removed. Oh, shit. And she found out about this when she had three seizures in the middle of the night. Oh, my God. And... It was in looking back after having her brain tumor removed and going through all the treatments and everything that she did realize her behavior was weird. Interesting. But it wasn't until she looked at it in retrospect that she could see this. And like certain fights that she got into with her fiance that kind of didn't make any sense that she started. And Interesting. Because, you know, we don't know what the fuck the brain does. We have like a very minor idea of what everything does. So any mass pressing on anything, like who knows what the fuck. Yeah. And you're right. Depending on where it is, could it affect you in yeah various ways. Right. But she would have gone the rest of her life like nothing because there was no thing of her feeling like something was wrong. Yes, despite this, like, I would assume, like, minor personality shift, maybe? Yeah, but it's that thing of you can chalk it up, but it would just be... I would chalk it up to, like, my mood, whatever was happening in my life. Like You drank a little too much, whatever. Yeah. You know, because we're all people. There's days that are better than others. There's times where you just get upset because of whatever the fuck or something just upset you. Exactly. And it wasn't like serial killers who have head injuries and then are completely different people. Yeah, exactly. It was just looking back of like, oh yeah, like, it was a little weird. Yeah, it was off. It was not normal. And also it wasn't even that her fiance was like, you're acting fucking nuts. You're acting weird. You're acting different. That wasn't even the case either. So he didn't even notice. No. It wasn't that noticeable. No, exactly. It would just be like certain things would be kind of like, that was a little excessive. Yeah. Response. But also who the fuck doesn't do that? Exactly. I have days like that where I'm just like, you know what? I'm, I've clearly had my limit of bullshit and now you've pushed me over the line and now I'm going to be that bitch that exactly. I did, told myself I wasn't going to be, but now I'm there. So yeah. And my yeah. friend had a very sizable brain tumor that in addition to the surgery, which they have to crack your skull open. Literally. Yes. And she was like, yeah, oh I've God. never experienced pain like that in my life after the fact, which I can't even fucking imagine. She had to have radiation and chemotherapy Every single day for six weeks. Holy shit. So this was not like, "Mm, we got it. It's fine. Like this was for real world, not for fucking play. Yeah. Serious shit. So I also understand that my friend is one case and not the norm. And I'm also not a doctor. So what the fuck do I know? But off of that one anecdotal case, I'm calling bullshit on this theory. I mean, I'm dubious. I'm, I'm hesitant to be like, yeah, this is the reason that this is. Because it's so fucking weird. And I just... I just want more information. I, there has to be more information out there. Like it's a case study, like a psychiatrist examined you. They definitely have more notes on yeah. this. Like 
somebody out there who is not me knows somebody knows something. somebody knows something do i want you to crack this cold case for me i'm putting it out there that we will be doing an update to this story at some point in the future yes good okay it's one of those stories that honestly is good enough is intriguing enough that i feel like if i was scrolling through the hbo documentaries mm. that this would be one of the things i'd be like hey you don't even fucking know about this shit I'd be like i don't know about this shit let me check it out which speaking of HBO documentaries, did you hear their HBO's doing a documentary on Brittany Murphy and her death? <gasps> Girl, no. yes. But they, I'm here for it. They just ordered it. Oh. I am so excited. I can't handle my fucking life about it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Looking forward to that. Noted. And they're doing one on Tina Turner because Queen Tina. Yes. Obsessed. So yeah, HBO Max, if you could get on the patient AB case for me, that'd be great. I'd really appreciate that. Yep. Okay, thanks. Bye. Okay, thanks, bye. <laughs> So as we're talking about, you're calling bullshit on the fact that it's just this like funny feeling that she Mm -hmm. had. Yes. And so these skeptics claim that she most likely unconsciously took in more information about various hospitals than she realized. And this information was reproduced by her mind as part of the auditory hallucinatory experience. Then when the voices expressed satisfaction with the outcome of her treatment, that was simply her own mind expressing its relief that the crisis was over. See, okay, uh, sure. But here's the thing. She could have self-soothed herself being like, ah, I'm so glad that that was done and we nailed it. And then a month later, they could have been like, guess the fuck what another tumor is there. Yeah. She she doesn't fucking know. But they were gone. They were fucking gone. They were gone and the tumors were gone. Yep. And it's one of those things like, okay, if you believe that the tumor was pressing on this portion of her brain that caused her to have these auditory hallucinations... As soon as they took the tumor out, those fucking voices should have been gone. She shouldn't have woken up from the hospital, the, on the operating table, been like, oh, I hear the voices again. And they're saying goodbye, taking care of you. 10,000 fucking percent. So if the tumor is causing, the- is causing them, then her final hearing, her final instance of hearing the voices had to have been psychosomatic. For sure. Okay, this is what... I, and I don't know if you're going to get into it, and I'm just jumping the gun. These are people's science. I completely respect that. I completely respect, and it's not even that I I respect, I think it's absolutely necessary to go through everything this could be. Yes, 100%. 100%. That's absolutely, because if not, I think you're a fucking quack if you don't do that. That being said, and I don't know if you get into this, what I want to know is the medical professionals and doctors and surgeons and the imaging expert and all these people who worked on her, even after presenting, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. What do they actually think? Do they actually buy that shit or do they not? That is a very good question. And I won't get into that completely because I obviously don't know like what the imaging text or anything. Like sure, that. Sure, I really sure. just have like this perspective of this doctor as one. So I read the actual scientific article from the British Medical Journal, and in the article, it doesn't say what he personally believed was the case. Mm -hmm. Although several articles I read afterwards about this implied that he supported the theory that she was vaguely aware of the tumor and that something, or vaguely aware that something was wrong and that the voices were symptomatic of the tumor. I also feel like a doctor feels like they can't be awake. Yes, a hundred percent. Because they're going to be like, you're a quack. 
what is wrong with you? That You're a was, man of science. Yes, that was Brian Weiss's whole thing. For it's sure. like why he was like having such a hard time with this is like, I'm a man of science. I've been taught that this shouldn't be possible, isn't real. And now I'm having to basically completely change my worldview to believe something that I'm seeing and hearing with my own eyes. For sure. And like, yeah. I want, like, I understand the press conference representing the hospital's official 100%, statement. yes. What I want to be is a fly on the wall at the end of the night when he's in bed with his partner. Yes. What the fuck that conversation what is. What that looked like. And I don't have that information, unfortunately. Of course it's not. It's why I'm demanding a <laughs> fucking documentary. And I, if I say it enough, it will become true. If you will it, it is no dream, girl. Yes. yes. Monique knows. I fucking know. I'm a, I don't know this, but, <laughs> but I know that... <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. And to the point that apparently a voice in your head can tell you have a tumor and be correct. 100%. <laughs> tell you what hospital to go to. What hospital to go to. What, like, what basically like the MapQuest directions are to go to the hospital and which fucking doctor yes, to talk right? to. Yes, right? Girl, this is bananas. Insane. Yeah, there's, there is not, again, not a doctor. There is not much of this story that, to me, lends itself to a natural scientific explanation. Right? In, in what we understand medicine and science to be currently. And even though I do believe that is the case, because of our preconceived notions and because the mentality that just science in general takes towards things like that, mm -hmm. we can't even investigate it. You can't even right? do any sort of other research into this or you're a quack, you're a fraud, you're fucking fringe or fringe scientist like it's so weirdly elitist sometimes oh absolutely and so and yeah and there's this I, it's hard very there's this very elitist thing of we know everything we need to know and we figured it all out but also you didn't there's but so much that's still left unexplained like really and that was the thing that there's was medical mysteries all the fucking time for sure and that you know that was one of those things that was very interesting to me and watching surviving death because there's all of these there are all of these accounts of people at the end of their life seeing the white light seeing the tunnel seeing the family members welcoming them and something that one of the things that had been posited to me or i read somewhere was like oh well that's just your your brain dying and oxygen leaving your brain and i was like okay well maybe that's a possibility but something that is explained in surviving death by several of the doctors in the show and that I looked up is, no, actually, when you, your brain gets deprived of oxygen, you kind of go into, like, a very aggressive, very panicky, very paranoid mode. You're not calm. It's not, not peaceful. A, it's not it's peaceful. Not, yeah. It's a very, like, your body trying to survive because it knows it's dying. And it's it, it goes into that mammalian response of, like, stay alive, stay alive. And it, it, it's yeah. very panicked. And it's very paranoid. And it's very aggressive. And it's very scared interesting yeah which is not people's experience with your death it's at not all. a thing yeah. that you hear repeatedly so i'm like okay so that's not the case the case then that has to be a different thing it at minimum it not at minimum it is a different thing yeah and it could be scientific in in of the natural world as we know it or it could be of the paranormal world that people don't really investigate or look yeah. up because or even acknowledge honestly yeah like we talked about, like, I, again, and I was raised in a family that was like this, like you told about Kara last yeah. time, of like, we just don't believe that. That's just, you don't even acknowledge that that's a possibility, that that's a thing. Mm -hmm. You're completely closed off to this, yes, it seems very... That would be lovely. Esoteric and very, yes, otherworldly, but 
we just don't acknowledge that. We don't acknowledge that that's a possibility or anything. That's so wild to me. It's crazy. And I, I get it. Yeah. I like it because I was raised very differently. Although it's very funny because I was raised Catholic, but ghosts were not a thing that was kosher in my really? family. Okay. Like, at all. Because I always wonder about that. Because a lot of times I feel like we tell kids that these things aren't real. Not because we don't believe they're not real, but because... They're scared. And they're you scared. Yeah. And you can't be like, yeah, there's fucking ghosts. And there might be one there that you're seeing. And like, sorry, tough shit, dude. You better try to get to some sleep tonight because... Right. Yeah. And I definitely had that happen to me. Like, I was definitely scared of ghosts. And I definitely saw people in the house. And I was told that wasn't real. And it was whatever the fuck. And you're seeing things or whatever, yeah. But and then when I got older... And it wasn't a thing of being scared, but just a dialogue that I yeah. remember having with my mother. My mother being like, you know, basically having her, her fingers in two different pies of like, I don't believe, but just in case type of type of thing. Yes. Yes. And yes. really for her, I feel that the turning point was when her father passed that he's just... He's always around. He's around all the time. Broke the glass candle. He's flipping yeah. lights on and off. Yeah. He's Doing all the things. Yeah. Like, he is not, he's not silently. He did not go silently no, to that no. good night, let me tell you. No. <laughs> nope. He wasn't angry about it, but he's just always like. <laughs> he's like, I'm here. I'm hey, here. What's up? Relax. Don't be upset. I'm here. It's fine. It's fine. I'm here. Don't worry about I'm it. watching over everybody. Like, we're good. Yeah. So it, I was raised with this concept of heaven. Yes. Of like the afterlife. Being in union with God. Being with your loved ones. Yes. But not ghosts and the paranormal was very much a fringe thing I did on my own of like, this is a weird thing. What is this about? Which Let's is read about this. so interesting to me because on the one hand, I feel like religion is the connection to that. For sure. So to have it deny it as almost like, whew, that's... That's one too far. Though. That's one too far. Like, we believe in God and the Almighty living on high in heaven, but like, ghost... <laughs> okay like it doesn't matter that we're not ridiculous like that's the attitude it almost is and it it blows my fucking mind i don't understand it's weird it's almost like like when people talk about different demographics marrying it's like well where does it end yeah you know (laughs) like what are we there's an end point we're gonna believe in this getty monster now like Like what what? the people are gonna be marrying goats where does it end and you're like what are you talking about there's an end point I just want to maybe acknowledge that spirits might be real. Yeah. Like, I don't, I, should, I was not trying to advocate all of that. Yeah. That's like the whole other thing. What are you talking about? You know? Um, oh my God. Yeah. So it's very interesting to me. And personally, I think it's a fear based thing because if you acknowledge that, then what else don't you know? Yeah. And also what does that mean for loved ones? What does that mean for you? What is that? And there's not really a way to study being on the other side unless you like watch Flatliners and yeah. do that shit. But <laughs> that's very true. I just, I think we need to not be so dismissive towards fringe science because I feel like any sort of scientific exploration into something, if it's done again from a strictly scientific perspective, yeah. so where you're trying to replicate results of experiments, like all of that needs to be done so there is like scientific method to all of this yeah. and it can be replicated and reported on accurately. Yeah. And guess what? When you do that, you can disprove things. Yes. You could be like, actually, you're wrong. Go start Yes, thing. exactly. Like, hey, that was infrasound. Just letting you know. Right. By the way. Cool. Yeah. But I want to know. But now we know. Exactly. But don't fucking give me some bullshit thing. 
I can't believe this dude bought it. And I'm gonna I'm gonna make the heavy assumption that this doctor, even if he claimed he believed that, stayed up at night thinking about this case. Oh, I'm sure. How could you not? This would haunt me. How could it not? Yes, exactly. Fuck ghosts. This is what's haunting you. (laughs) There's voices in your head that are not your own who gave you a correct medical diagnosis. I can't stress that enough. Not just the correct medical diagnosis. The address of the hospital. The specific doctor to talk to. The diagnosis. And then when the thing causing it allegedly was removed, was like, girl, you're good. Bye. Bye. Have a nice life, basically. Yes. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's fucking crazy. That you know, it's that thing in when you watch when you watch film and TV that have really shitty writing and shitty plots, and it's like you're asking a lot of me to buy this. Yeah, my willing suspension of disbelief. That's yeah. what's happening here. Yes, you're asking a lot of me to suspend a lot of disbelief to buy your bullshit. Exactly. Let us know what you think because I'm very heavily in the camp that this is. Very supernatural. And I'm guessing Amy is too, because she's telling it in the supernatural paranormal I am. It's my paranormal story for a reason, because like, I just, I have questions and I think it's, I don't think these quote unquote scientific or medical explanations are enough. They're definitely not they, satisfactory. Are, tell me, yeah. tell me, yes, this is totally plausible that the tumor would have been pressing on this region of her brain, causing these auditory hallucinations. And then she had some sort of psychosomatic... For sure. Response when she woke up on the operating table. If that's the case, I would like to know. Because, again, despite these theories, there's no clear answer for what happened in AB's unusual case of hearing voices that weren't really there. While modern neuroscience has shown that many of these experiences can be due to different forms of brain pathology Mm -hmm. and psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia, auditory hallucinations have also been linked to complex forms of epilepsy, injuries, strokes, and yes, even tumors. Mm -hmm. According to Scientific American, auditory hallucinations are often a hallmark of psychosis, occurring in an estimated 60 to 70% of people with schizophrenia. Sure. And in a subset of those diagnosed with bipolar disorder, dementia, and major depression. Auditory hallucinations are the most common type experienced, and while some patients report hearing voices, others hear phantom melodies. Oh. I know, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah. However, increasing evidence over the past two decades suggests hearing imaginary sounds is not always a sign of mental illness. Healthy people also experience hallucinations. Yeah, you got a fucking song stuck in your head? Yeah. Anything by Taylor Swift? That's in there. I was going to be like, fucking three weeks. The fucking week that WAP came out? Great, thanks. Just like (laughs) wrecked. Just, I love Cardi B too. Just like wrecked my brain. Thank you. Oh my God. Yeah. So due to things like drugs, sleep deprivation, and even migraines, all of this often triggers the illusion of sounds or sights that are not there. Mm -hmm. Even in the absence of these predisposing factors, approximately 1 in 20 people hear voices or see visual hallucinations at least once in their lifetimes. Okay. Which is more than I thought, honestly. I mean, but here's the thing. I don't even, I don't believe any of that's wrong. No, it's also a, it's it's scientific they're saying scientifically right. says that this is correct. I'm yes. not I'm not even being like well I, like no no I'm down with all of that. What is the percentage of the one in twenty that were told specific oh, addresses that existed? Were told a medical diagnosis that was accurate? Yeah, that's what no. I want to fucking agreed. Know. Agreed. That's why this is 
this case fucking keeps me up at night, you guys, because I want to know the reason why. And honestly, like, even though there's no definitive answer, like, we can't really discount the possibility that something more unexplainable than just a tumor saved AB's life. Yeah. Like, that's really not outside the realm of possibilities. And And it's very possible that AB's like, look, I literally don't give a fuck what it was. I'm alive. I'm alive. Yeah. It could be the tumor. It could not. Like, either way, problem solved. The tumor's gone. I'm (laughs) good. That's basically the end of the story. There's not as much resolution as I would like. I just find it deeply fucking fascinating. Yeah. I love it. I love that story. Good. Yeah. I love a good, like, like with your Stephanie Arnold story, like, I love a good, like, medical paranormal story. Yeah. Give us your medical paranormal (gasps) stories. (laughs) Oh, my God. Guys, if you have any medical paranormal stories, we're here for it. We want all of them. Yes, please. Please, please, please email us. Oh my God. I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so glad you like that. That was amazing. How could I not? That was amazing. I figured you would. I figured that was up your alley. Yeah. 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 You ready? You ready to blow my mind, Monique? With a true crime? Are you bringing me to your true crime den today? Is that what you're... Yeah, girl. Fuck yeah. And what we didn't realize... Oh, shit is that this has inadvertently become a themed episode. Oh my god, because we're constantly on the same page without us realizing that we're on the same page? Yeah. This, uh, (laughs) like, warms the cockles of my heart. Like, I love these moments. Tell me, Monique. I have no idea. We're going to be talking about Dr. Henry Cotton. Fuck yes. Fuck yes. Sources. Wikipedia, allthatsinteresting.com, thelancet.com, NewYorkTimes.com, DiscoverMagazine.com, Journalism of the Royal Society of Medicine, and the book Madhouse, A Tragic Tale of Megalomania and Modern Medicine by Andrew Skull. <gasps> this already sounds so good. Girl, oh, I'm you're not fucking it. ready. I'm never ready. <laughs> but I'm ready. Let's do this. Henry Aloysius Cotton was born in Norfolk, Virginia on May 18th, 1876. In 1899, he qualified in medicine at the University of Maryland and went on to specialize in psychiatry. He also studied at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine under the tutelage of Adolf Meyer, who was the most prominent and influential American psychiatrist at the time. Oh, shit. And he was a leading proponent of using scientific research to discover the biological causes of mental disorders. Yes. Fuck it. Girl, we were on the same page. Girl. When you you started listing your sources, I'm like, we have a themed episode and she doesn't even fucking know. I don't even know. And it's taking me everything to not (laughs) say it right now. You really kept it together. I I had no idea. I'm so surprised right now. It was really difficult. I love it. I'm not going to lie. We actually like kind of didn't talk a lot this week either. So like there was really like no lead up to this. No, not at all. Uh, fucking here for it. Because we're this. we are. I'm doing the like eyes, like finger, two fingers finger. to the eyes, eyes <laughs> motion. Like the, I see you. I see you. I see you. Yes, we're simpatico. Yes. Yeah. That you literally took the word out of my mouth. Of okay. course I yes. did because uh, we're on the same page. We're because simpatico. we're doing the fingers and the eyes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> my fingers, your eyes. You get it. Yes. Boom. Meyer was a believer in germ theory, a revolutionary hypothesis that states that microorganisms known as pathogens, or germs, can lead to disease. This transformed medical science by identifying the bacterial basis of many diseases that were previously thought untreatable. Meyer was among the first in his field to suspect that germ theory held significant potential not only for surgery and general medicine, but for psychiatry. 
Cotton became Meyer's protege, and in 1906, the young doctor traveled to Munich to learn more about brain pathology and histology, which is microscopic anatomy, from legendary figures Emil Kraepelin and Alois Alzheimer. Oh, shit. Yeah, so. Yeah, you, you recognize the name. You yeah. do. <laughs> I'm sorry you do. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's very true. It's a bummer that we do, but we all know the name. When Cotton returned to the United States the following year, he had no problem finding employment. He was young, energetic, and ambitious, and his medical and scientific credentials were impeccable. So in 1907, shortly upon arriving back in the United States, he became the medical director of the New Jersey State Lunatic Asylum, now the Trenton Psychiatric Hospital. I was like, yeah, I'm going to guess they put a different name on that. Yeah, it's not <laughs> super the woke. The Lunatic Asylum didn't really have the, the same ring to it. Yeah. No, yeah. So now it's the Trenton <laughs> Psychiatric Hospital in Trenton, New Jersey. Dr. Cotton was particularly dismayed by the general pessimism that surrounded the care of the seriously mentally ill. And as soon as he arrived, the 31-year-old psychiatrist was determined to reform the, quote, deplorable condition of affairs, end quote, that he found there. Yes. Right? He put an end to the prevailing practice of restraining patients. He installed fire alarms, opened a nursing school, began training programs for the nurses and attendants to try to prevent violence towards the patients, introduced occupational therapy, and added more staff to attend to patients, including hiring social workers. He even implemented daily meetings with staff to discuss and improve patient care. Which is all standard shit now, basically. That yeah. You're like, Why do we have to implement this? Like, this should go without saying. Exactly. It's like revolutionary. This is this 1907. Point. Yeah. So it's a different time. But is it? I don't know. You tell me. <laughs> we like to believe we're better than our former selves. Are we, though? Yeah. We it's, still need work. It's fucked when we find out we're not. Yeah. These reforms were part of his plan to turn the asylum into a modern hospital. He even persuaded state politicians to fund the necessary facilities by arguing that it would be cost-efficient in the long run. Once he had discovered the biological causes and treatments for mental disorders, the state would be relieved of the economic burden of caring for the mentally ill. Shit, okay. Right? So Cotton was a staunch believer in the bacterial auto-intoxication theory of psychiatric illness, which was the idea that insanity was actually a state of chronic intoxication caused by some mind-altering substance or toxin produced inside the sufferer's own body. Proponents of the auto-intoxication theory didn't all agree on what the natural hallucinogen was or where it came from, with some believing that the toxin was generated by the human body's own glands and organs, while others believed that it was produced by an external bacteria that had infected the host. After reports in 1913 confirmed that the spirochate that causes syphilis was responsible for the brain lesions that not only led to the partial paralysis at the final stage of the disease, but for the psychiatric symptoms, Cotton postulated a, quote, bacteriological model of madness, end quote, and accepted the theory of focal sepsis, a.k.a. a persistent bacterial infection of some organ or region, especially one causing symptoms elsewhere in the body. If this hypothesis was correct, then effective treatment would require locating the sites of infection and removing them. Simply stated, Cotton's treatment was based on the assumption that all manifestations of madness were merely symptoms of a deeper underlying pathology, that of bacterial infection. Remove the infected part, 
and you cure the madness. So if bacteria was the cause of mental illness, it would stand to reason that you could cure something like schizophrenia with surgery. Okay, sure. That's what we call foreshadowing. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Remember, this is the true crime portion of the show. I know. And I was like, and as our bonding over lobotomies has indicated, like, we did some fucked up shit to people in the name of quote-unquote science and medicine. So we sure did. Brace yourself. Yeah. Yep. Cotton began to implement this emerging medical theory on infection-based psychological disorders by removing what he suspected was the source of his disturbed patients' infections, their teeth. Oh, no. I'm like, ooh, no, no, no. I get extra worried about teeth. I don't know why, but like that is extra, extra horrifying for me. Chug that gimlet. It's going to get real bad. Oh, girl. It's going to get real bad. Oh, no. The pioneer began his experimental treatments by removing teeth from 50 patients. But to his surprise... This did not always cure them of their madness. Uh, take the hint, dude! Yeah, that's not the fucking cause! Also important to note, this is 1907, early 1900s, so things like having a control group don't exist Do, no. at this point. God, no. At all. He's but, a proponent of germ theory, which is apparently just emerging at the time. And prior yes. to this, they believed in, like, miasma theory, which was literally that, like, the vapors were fucking... For sure. That's why you had all of your problems, was because you were breathing in all these vapors. Yeah. And, so, like... And before that, you have, like, the humors. Exactly. Like, exactly. You have a little bit too much of this, so we yeah. gotta get rid of your phlegm. Get some, too much bile. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So... He's ripping out teeth, but sometimes... <laughs> left and right. Left and fucking right. And, but to his chagrin, it's not always curing their madness. What the fuck? Although, it did stop his patients from speaking clearly and eating properly. And How, apparently complaining, I'm sure, about his I fucking... am certain of that. <laughs> it's all good because an unfazed cotton concluded that the reason pulling out the allegedly infected teeth was not always successful, was that the infection had spread. Of course, of course, of course. Thank you. Of Thank course. You. Yeah. In that case, it was necessary to remove other infected body parts, like the tonsils. <gasps> okay. No, it's going to get worse, girl. It's oh. going to get worse. Chug or smoke, I was like, whatever's off, happening. <laughs> take off the whole infected head, just lop that baby right off. I mean, these people probably would have been better off if he just did that. Oh, Jesus. Okay. If a cure was still not achieved after these procedures, even more organs were surgically removed, including testicles, (gasps) ovaries, gallbladders, stomachs, spleens, cervixes, and colons, which were especially suspected to be the focal point of infection. What the fuck do you even have left? Right? I feel like a lot of those are not, like, easily removed either. So, like, what the fuck, dude? Early 1900s, no one is wearing gloves. Oh, God. Hygiene is not a thing. I was not even really thinking about that. You just, like, squicked me out so much about that. Oh, the gloves. No, you're totally right. Everyone's just got their hands in in their cavities. Oh, no. It's a tough time. I know things aren't perfect now, but we're literally in the best time that it's ever been to be alive. And again, we're getting better. We're getting better. Continue to get better. Exactly. But we don't have anyone, at least I hope not, ripping out your teeth and your colon with their bare hands because you're crazy. Or they've decided you are. Emboldened by the high success rate he believed he saw. Oh, great. Again, because there's (laughs) there's no testing really that's happening here. 
This is all hearsay. Oh my god. He reported astonishing success with his procedures, claiming cure rates of 85%. Uh, bullshit, dude. Yeah, spoiler, that's yeah. bullshit. When the- you make the results, you can make them whatever you want. Like, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's like every mother of every serial killer is like, he was the most loving boy. Sweetheart, he murdered 17 sex workers. Like something was wrong. Clearly the fuck not. Yeah. And I understand you want to see him through that lens, but he wasn't. <laughs> That's what the fuck is happening here. Objectively incorrect. You are objectively wrong. <laughs> like Johnny was objectively wrong Thank about you. Jamie Lannister. <laughs> yes, facts. He will never live that down. Nor should he. Goddamn right. <laughs> This, in conjunction with the belief at the time that investigating such biological causes was the state of the art of medicine, brought him worldwide praise. He was honored at medical institutions and associations in the United States, the United Kingdom, and Europe, where he was asked to make presentations about his work and share his methods with fellow practitioners. His colleagues were hugely impressed and, of course, eager to learn and embrace his successful treatments. Henry Cotton was it. Patients and parents of mentally unstable children anxiously vied for a spot in the popular doctor's busy schedule and begged it to be treated by him at Trenton. If that was not possible, they demanded that their own doctors replicate Cotton's miraculous surgeries. Remember how I mentioned that he persuaded state politicians to fund the hospital, saying that it would save them money in the long run? Well, the state acknowledged the savings and expenses to taxpayers as a direct result of Dr. Cotton's new and miraculous cures. Oh, shit. In June 1922, the New York Times wrote in a review of Cotton's published lectures, quote, At the state hospital at Trenton, New Jersey, under the brilliant leadership of the medical doctor, Dr. Henry A. Cotton, there is on foot the most searching, aggressive, and profound scientific investigation that has yet to be made of the whole field of mental and nervous disorders. There is hope, high hope, for the future. Uh, End quote. Wow. Right? You're really overselling it here. How could they not? Yeah. He's saying 85% of the people that I ripped their teeth out of are perfectly fine afterwards? You can say whatever you want. Right, but they didn't know that at the time. Yeah, that's very true. And this is a doctor. This is a doctor, yeah. So that means something. Think about all the crimes you could get away with during this time and how there was Oh my god. There wasn't really a way to catch people or track people or anything. Like, same thing applies to doctors. Same thing applies to quote-unquote good people who are just doing their work. Exactly. Speaking of that 85% cure rate... He meant of the patients who had survived the surgery. Oh, cool. So we're just ignoring the dead people? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. awesome. In an era before antibiotics, surgery resulted in a very high post-operative fatality rate, largely due to post-operative infection. Yeah, fuck. Again, everyone, no gloves. Everyone's yeah, just... Everyone's, ugh. And again, germ theory is just emerging. Like, he's one of the proponents of this. Yes, like, exactly. It's not like everyone's on the same page, like, oh, germs are bad. That's what's causing all this illness. Like, no, we still... Are, this is emerging at the time. Like, not everyone believes this. We're still just fucking... Yeah, I remember reading an article... I believe it was in Italy okay. when this was still kind of a thing. This was before washing hands was a thing. So it's yeah, not even yeah, yeah. germ theory. This is before washing the hands. And apparently the doctors who would do autopsies and handle the dead were also the same doctors who would deliver babies. <gasps> 
Oh my god, why is being a woman the worst? It's like, literally, cool. you get the death doctor to fucking get... Oh, stick his hands up on your vag? I can't, Monique, I can't. So, Ugh. what happened was, is that <laughs> those babies would fucking die. No fucking shit! they had death, death juices all over them. Germs all over them. And that this became like a... Like, one doctor was like, hey, maybe we should wash our hands. <laughs> or, like, get separate doctors. Like, I don't know. In between, and one doctor who was, like, super hoity-toity and famous was like, fuck you, I'm going to double down on this. Oh, so a ton of babies died because of ego. Wash fuck, your that hands. was, for real. That was like fucking Typhoid Mary when they fucking. Oh, my God. They called her out and they were like, yeah, hi, you can continue to work, but, like, you need to wash your hands because you're an asymptomatic carrier of typhoid. Right. And she was like, yeah, but. No. I mean, and here's the thing. I can't even respect her being like, this is bullshit. Because from what I understand, Typhoid Mary was the first documented case of an asymptomatic yes. typhoid. Yes. So she can be like, this is bullshit. But also, does it hurt you to wash your hands? No. Thank no. you. No, it does not. No. Just like maybe get it done. Even if you don't want to do it all the time. Just before you're handling something you're going to ingest into your body. Yeah. Even that. Just like give it a little little splash you know i'm just saying splish splash we were taking a bath there you go (laughs) oh oh my god yes so again there's no antibiotics so people people dying after surgery is a huge thing because of infection among his patients at the time was margaret fisher the daughter of the wealthy famed yale economist irving fisher margaret who ironically believed in the hygienic movement of this period was diagnosed by physicians at bloomingdale asylum as schizophrenic Her father transferred her to Trenton, where Cotton attributed her condition to a, quote, marked retention of fecal matter in the cecal colon with marked enlargement of the colon in this area, end quote. As a result, she was subjected to a series of colonic surgeries before dying of an infection in 1919. Oh, Jesus. Can you imagine having a surgery in this time? I no. I think I, I think I would just die. I think I'd just be like, take me out in the back and old gallery me. Like I don't want to yeah. fucking no. no it's no, been no. real. I'm out. Right? No, especially if I had to get like something amputated or something. Oh, oh my god! Absolutely not. No. They're like fucking way where there's a bone saw and fucking. Yeah, they're like, like you got a wooden spoon because oh. that's to ch- like chomp on. Yeah. This happens. Fuck no, 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 no. And what's crazy? <laughs> I act like I want to be part of the fucking. I know. Pioneer times, and yet no. As soon as this shit happens, I'm fucking out. Girl, I need not about. I it. need central AC and. I mean, plumbing. I get it. Yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm not surviving in the woods at all. <laughs> I'm making no bones about it. I know who I am. You, uh, I think you're the smarter of the two of us, honestly. <laughs> I think that's become, <laughs> I think it's become very clear. Um, that's, I don't think so, but that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. I love you. Love you. Dr. Cotton had a post-surgical mortality rate of 30%. Jesus Christ, you're killing a third of your fucking people? Yeah, that's one in three, kids. Oh, and even higher for colon resections. Oh my God! Many patients recognized the danger of cotton surgeries, and despite their mental illness, refused to make their way down to their scheduled surgical procedures. Sometimes resisting violently as they were forced into the operating theater. Many poor souls had to be quote dragged, resisting and <gasps> screaming end quote into the operating theater where they were operated on oftentimes without their or their family's consent holy shit yep this guy's a sick fuck he's a sick fuck and i don't say that in a fun way that i got called a sick fuck (laughs) i mean in the actual disgusting way what a sick fuck yeah 
Unconcerned by the high mortality rates, Cotton explained that, quote, psychotic patients in whom the infection has been long-standing and of great and specific virulence are not good surgical risks and yield a higher mortality rate, end quote. AKA, if you're not a doctor, what that means is if you died during surgery, it's because you're already in poor physical condition and essentially were too far gone. Not my fault, bro. Yeah. It's all you. Clearly, right? You were too sick. Okay. Sorry about it. Way to fucking pass the fucking buck, dude. The faces I'm Bullshit. making. Bullshit. Yeah, you can't see our faces, but like, hard eye roll. They're pronounced. <sighs> Lots of size. Yeah. Yeah. Despite an enormous body count of one in three surgical patients dead, Cotton made no efforts to hide what he was doing. To the contrary, Cotton was widely acclaimed as a researcher and psychiatrist. He gave presentations to professional societies across North America and the UK. He published papers in professional journals, and he welcomed visitors from three continents who came to observe his work at Trenton State Hospital. Despite having a death toll of one in three, and despite operating on patients without their consent, the only quote-unquote ethical lapses that troubled the famous doctor's colleagues were that he sought publicity in the press and communicated directly with the public. That's the only thing he's that's doing it? untoward. Oh, according to his colleagues and peers? Great. Yeah. Great, great, great. Cool. Like, that's fine that you're doing all this other shit, but you're courting the press and planting stories. That's not That's cool. a little... Yeah. People are dying. That's fine. That's but, like, fine. could you not? Could you not? Yeah. Could you not be a publicity hound? Yeah. That's the problem here. Being a little boastful and we'd like you to keep it down. Take mm-hmm. it down a notch. Yeah. As a result of Cotton's increasing renown among the general public and with so many patients coming to him for treatment, he opened a private hospital in which he carried on a thriving practice among the affluent. Good for you, bro. Right? Yeah. You're nailing it. But again, you can fucking get away with anything back in the day and just like, you don't give a fucking shits. Yeah. But the, here's the thing that's crazy to me. I really think everyone bought the bullshit. Oh, yeah, of course. Because it's just emerging at the time. So nobody knows any better. This is the dawn of modern medicine. Exactly. This is state-of-the-art medicine. Yes. And he's, like, the proponent of this. Like, he's the one who's putting his foot forward. He's doing research. He's trying to, like, educate everybody. Like, this is someone we're looking up to, of course. And he's saying 85% of the people I work on are cured. Yeah. Bullshit. (laughs) But yes. Exactly. Maybe it was the doctor's effort to remake the old psychiatry into a respected branch of modern scientific medicine that caused so many of his colleagues to maintain their enthusiasm for his theories and treatments, even in the face of repeated scientific reports that Cotton's cures could not be replicated. It's the key to science. You have to be able to replicate it. Exactly. And that's kind of a new thing at this point. Yeah. Yeah. In 1923, a group in New York reported what seems to be the first quasi-randomized controlled trial in psychiatry to test Cotton's theories. This study failed to show any difference in outcome between the surgical group and the untreated controls, with response rates being 38% for the surgical group and 47% for the untreated controls. Thankfully, not everyone had fallen under Cotton's spell, and some psychiatrists were skeptical of Cotton's surgeries. In addition, allegations surfaced that he was mistreating his patients. But as always, the good doctor managed to appease his critics. In response to the accusation that his patients were being mistreated, Dr. Cotton replaced all of his male nurses with female ones and thus escaped condemnation. In 1910, the New York Times wrote, quote, The men naturally are too rough with patients. 
and that male patients are not so excited by the approach of women nurses. Kant believes the presence of women nurses is restful to the diseased mind, end quote. Which, uh, what? What? What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck I feel is like here's this? the thing. It's easier for him to control these women and to dictate what these women do in his practice. And so that's why he wants these women here. 10,000%. Yeah. That's what that is. Yes. Especially like you're, I'm sure in that time, so grateful to have a job. Oh my God. And to have a, a like high class job like that. Like you're working in a hospital with a doctor, like. And not just a doctor. The the doctor. doctor. Exactly. For sure. Cotton was equally unfazed about operating without consent, despite active protests by his patients and their families. He said, quote, if we wish to eradicate focal infections, we must bear in mind that it is only by being persistent, often against the wishes of the patients, that we can expect our efforts to be successful. Failure in these cases at once casts discredit upon the theory when the reason lies in the fact that we have not been radical enough. What? Quote. This bitch. Right? Like you're fucking taking teeth and fucking cervixes out of people? Like, settle the fuck down. Yeah. Enter Dr. Phyllis Greenacre, who had just won a coveted position on Adolf Meyer's staff at Johns Hopkins. However, things really didn't work out for her at Johns Hopkins, largely due to the fact that she was a woman and it was the fucking 1920s. Yeah. Smash the patriarchy. You don't really need to say more than that, honestly. Yep, that's it. Like, you get it. We all know. (laughs) Meyer eventually got rid of her by selecting her to go to Trenton State Hospital to conduct a study to evaluate Cotton's work. In 1924, Dr. Phyllis Greenacre launched a proper investigation into Cotton's methods. I don't envy her this because, like, this guy's fucking up. You're basically, like, making headway into this industry and they're just like, hey, can you, like, shadow him and, like, tell us how how shitty of a job he's doing? Great. Well, here's the thing. No one thinks he's doing a shitty job. They think he's nailing it. (sighs) That's so true. I keep forgetting that because he's doing such a shitty job. (laughs) Correct. No, everyone is like, go learn from this guy who's a wonderkin. You're amazing. Yeah. And this woman is going to have to be like, by the way. BT dubs. Piece of shit. Spoiler. Trash human. Yes. Right from the get, Greenacre had a hunch that something was not quite right about Cotton, whom she had called, quote, singularly peculiar, end quote. For his procedures. Ooh, all right. Right? I like this lady. Mm -hmm. She believed the hospital environment to be detrimental to the mental well-being of its patients, who disturbed Greenacre as well. She noticed that their faces were sunken, and despite their youth, they seemed shockingly aged. Their speech was slurred, and their general appearance was one of malnourishment. Then she realized why. None of them had any teeth. (gasps) Oh, that gave me chills. It probably shouldn't have, but it did. It should give you chills because it's fucked. Greenacre set to work and quickly discovered the staff records were chaotic and that Cotton's data collection was contradictory and problematic to say the least. The numbers had been organized by a former patient and simply did not add up, leading to the conclusion that Cotton's statistics were deeply flawed, if not falsified. Yes. Yep. 100 fucking percent yes. Let the women do the work. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Determined to get to the bottom of the case, Greenacre singled out 62 patients that had been victims of Cotton's aggressive surgeries. What she discovered 
was shocking. She found that 17 patients had died right after Cotton's surgeries, while several others suffered for a few months before finally passing away. Of course, those deaths were never included in the mortality rate. Of course, of course. Yeah. Other findings showed that only five patients recovered completely while three improved, but were still symptomatic. The remaining patients were unimproved. This made Greenacre more suspicious than ever, so she decided to get in touch with discharged former patients who had supposedly either been cured or had improved. However, after interviewing all of these patients, Greenacre found that all were still mentally unstable. Shit! Of course, because this isn't fucking solving anything, just taking body parts from people. Yeah. Yeah, of course, because that's why you don't go to the dentist and be like, I'm having a, a mental break, rip out my teeth. And yeah. then you're like, great, I'm right as rain. Cool. Obviously, we, that know, we know how this is going. Yeah. <laughs> we're not like, You know enough about out. modern medicine. No. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't. You're Spoiler. <laughs> At the same time that Greenacre was carrying out her investigation, a New Jersey State Senate committee also developed an interest in the Trenton Asylum where they were looking into reports of waste and fraud. Turns out that Cotton was not as popular as he once was. What followed was, quote, a parade of disgruntled employees, malicious expatients, and their families testifying in damning detail about brutality, forced and botched surgery, debility, and death, end quote. Damn. Savage. Yeah. Cotton found himself fighting for his professional life. Then, during the investigations, the psychiatrist suddenly, and very conveniently, went mad. Oh. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know you could do that. Just yeah. pull one of those out of your back pocket? Like, I'm crazy now. Cool. Yeah. Basically, I think all it takes is for the state to investigate you for being a quack and, and then you're falsifying like, yeah, I'm crazy. records. And he's like, oh, I'm crazy. <laughs> I've gone mad. That's what you call the insanity defense. Yeah. Nowadays. Be convincing though. Yep. I mean, fuck. Lie better. Lie better. God. But we're not teaching you how to commit a crime. No, don't, don't do that. No. <laughs> Despite Greenacre's damning report that featured all the crazy shit and damning evidence that she had laboriously compiled over the many months between 1924 and 1925, Adolf Meyer refused to allow Greenacre to publish her findings. What? Meyer, eager to protect Cotton, suppressed Greenacre's report. <gasps> this is boys club bullshit. This is ridiculous. Yep. He basically sent her away to be like, I can't deal with a woman, whatever, go do that. And when she's like, P.S. I have the motherfucking tea. Yeah. Hi, this is super fucking suspect. And yeah, this fucking, is sus as fuck. Yeah. And I have the receipts. And yeah. Corrupt and not fucking medically sound in any way, shape or form. Yeah. It was like, mm, that's not actually what I sent you there either though. So like, need to be quiet. Yeah. Bullshit. Ugh. Bullshit. Not surprisingly. The state Senate committee dropped its inquiry and gave the hospital a clean bill of health. Cotton miraculously recovered from his mental breakdown. The alleged cause of his madness? A few infected teeth. Of course. Just of yank course. those bad boys out. You're good. Once he had them removed, he felt oh. much better. Immediately, Cotton's treatments for the mentally ill were back in demand. Not only did Cotton continue his surgical procedures in Trenton and traveled around the U.S. and Europe giving lectures... He also opened up a private clinic where he welcomed wealthy patients desperate to have their loved ones cured of madness. Ever the innovator, Cotton concocted a new idea. Oh, God. His new theory, if you can believe it, 
was even more radical. He thought it would be a swell idea to perform colectomies, aka bowel resections, where portions of the colon are removed and resected. And if you remember, the colon resections had a higher mortality rate than the 30%. So he thought it'd be a swell idea to perform colectomies on children. What? To prevent insanity. Oh my God. And to stop them from engaging in bad habits such as masturbation. Oh, dear God. Let's, yeah. That's the worst thing that could fucking happen. Like, Right. Also, what the fuck does your colon have to do with with masturbating? Nothing. Literally nothing. Zero things. Oh my God. This fucking guy. I can't. This next statement's going to be rich. Oh no. He also took to criticizing dentists. Dude! Not understanding why they tried to fix teeth instead of just simply pulling them out. Because maybe you want to have some fucking teeth left to chew of your fucking food. But the reason you're fucked is because you have fucked up teeth and they need to be ripped out. Of course. Yank those bad boys out, right? Oh my god. All the while, Cotton was still performing his original controversial surgeries at Trenton, and his procedures were still coming under fire. In the early 1930s, an investigation was initiated by the hospital's board and was carried out by the director of the New Jersey Department of Institutions and Agencies. When the records of 645 patients who had undergone cotton surgeries were examined and compared to 407 patients who had not undergone surgeries, it was found that the recovery rate was actually higher among the patients who had not been treated by Dr. Cotton. Uh, yeah, a fucking course. Also... Turns out that mortality rate, that 30%. I was going to say, what was it really? 45%. Yeah, fucking less than half. Seriously. I I mean, you've literally had a basically 50-50 chance of dying by being treated by this dude. Yes! What the fuck? Oh my god. He eventually lost his post as clinical director of Trenton, although he was allowed to remain as the director of research. Naturally, Henry Cotton and his supporters fought fiercely against the allegations that their surgical procedures were harmful, and he continued performing surgeries and teeth extractions at his private clinic. So keen was Cotton on pulling teeth to avoid the risk of future infection, and hence mental illness, that he had all of his own wife's and son's (gasps) teeth removed as a precaution. What? Yep. Oh my god, no. Yep. Oh, this poor woman and his poor son, like, what the fuck? Sons, two of them. Oh, I'm dying. I can't. I, oh my God. No, 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 no. And in case I'm not making this clear. I'm like weird about teeth. I fucking, the idea of like somebody like knocking their teeth out or getting their teeth pulled, like, mm, 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 no, 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 no. And in case I haven't made this clear, this isn't like a couple of molars. This is all all of them. them. They are literally like having to gum their food for the rest of their lives because this motherfucker. Both of his sons would die by suicide decades later. Shocking, because, yeah. That's not a great quality of life. No. Also, we're superficial creatures. 10,000 fucking percent. You want to be able to see somebody who can smile and has a full set of teeth. That is appealing to you on your most fundamental level. That is one of those things. Breeding and shit like that, for sure. Yes. Yes. Even back in the day, before regular dental care and before what we would consider modern dental care, like... You would still look at somebody to see if their teeth were mainly straight, mainly clean. Of like you took note of that, whether you realized it or not. For sure. I, even not on a teeth thing, but when I feel like shit 
that's the day I get dressed up. Yeah. Because that makes a difference. So you looking in the mirror and you don't have any fucking teeth? Teeth? I'd want to kill myself too. No offense. Like eating logistics aside, that's killing your fucking self-esteem. And if you're mentally unwell, you're still mentally unwell and you can't fucking eat. And And you don't have any goddamn teeth. Yeah. Ugh. But in the middle of his latest fight, to the shock of everyone involved, on May 8th, 1933, Henry Cotton suddenly died of a heart attack. Oh, thank God. Okay. I know, but I wanted him to go out. I know, but like, whatever. Get him out of here. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I'll take that. (laughs) I'll take it. That was God pulling the plug, Monique, and I will accept that for what it was. It's been, it's a wrap. (laughs) Curtains done. During Henry Aloysius Cotton's 26-year reign of terror at the New Jersey State Lunatic Asylum, Cotton and his assistants pulled more than (gasps) 11,000 teeth and performed 645 colectomies at Trenton, with approximately 33% each being for schizophrenia, manic depressive, and mild disorders. Oh my god. Cotton killed hundreds of people and maimed thousands more. Yet the Times obituary declared him, quote, a great pioneer, end quote, and stated that, quote, all must lament the loss of this great pioneer whose humanitarian influence was and will continue to be of such monumental proportions, end quote. Um, say it with me, kids. Go fuck, Go fuck yourself. yourself. With something hard and sandpapery, <laughs> to take a quote from Kelly. So if this story might sound a little bit familiar to some of our listeners, it's because Dr. Henry Cotton appears as a character on what else? The Nick. Oh, shit! In the book Madhouse, a tragic tale of megalomania and modern medicine, author Andrew Skull writes, quote, Today... Trenton State Hospital is derelict, a dank and dismal place with mold and putrefaction and filth everywhere, a warren of broken glass and uninhabited wards. In what was once a noisy and noisome cemetery for the still breathing, now an eerie silence and emptiness reigns. Perhaps fittingly, only one part of the institution still functions, the forensic unit that houses the criminally insane. End quote. Oh, shit. And that was the batshit banana story of the horrifying cures of Dr. Henry Cotton. Fuck! Yeah. Oh, that was fucking so good. Thank so you. So bananas. It's I so loved, crazy. It was so crazy. I love that we were on the same page, yeah. kind of. It is inadvertent theme. Inadvertent theme. I'm obsessed. Obsessed. This story just one. It was. Again, I'm obsessed with the Nick and I watched it and my Google search history was something to behold during my first <laughs> oh, girl, I'm viewing sure. of the Nick. I'm sure. It's it's morbidly fascinating. And it's that this story just scratches that itch of like, what are we so sure is right that we're emphatically getting wrong? Yes. And I, like I said before, A, number one, why I want there to be an afterlife. Seeing my grandfather again would be great. But I want to know what is the thing that all of us have been prescribed that is emphatically true that's going to help you that is so fucking wrong that in a hundred years they're going to be like, can you believe they were fucking doing this? That was so detrimental. Like, I cannot believe they were fucking doing this and thinking it was so right for them. Yes. Because this is so hard in my life. This is slightly more than a hundred years ago. Not really. He died in 1933. So he started in 1907. 1907 was what I was thinking was the date. 
So it's like in a hundred years. What is it? I what is know. it? Because we are for sure going to be at the point where we're like, can you believe those fucking idiots in 2021 believed this? Like, <laughs> I'm dying to know what it is. Oh, I want to know so badly. And if you've ever, I don't know if I mentioned it on this podcast, but if you've ever been to the pharmacy museum in New Orleans, it's basically a museum that's just that. And it's five bucks yeah. to get in. It's a, and it's so much stuff of like... It'd be like heroin for babies or some shit. Yeah. No, literally. They have heroin for whooping cough. Fuck they yes, have girl. lead baby nipples to put yeah. on a bottle. And the mercury laxatives. Dying Let's of do this. lead poisoning. And you're like, oh! Because we know how it ends. Yes! We know... So, We're aware now. Yes. Yeah. The one that fucked me up the most was they had, you know, hashtag not a mother, but when you have a baby, its existence is entirely dependent on you. And sometimes yeah. you just need to take a nap or go to the bathroom or do any number of things that a normal person has to do. And there's this fucking baby there that's like, but I need you now. All the time. All literally. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> and so some person had invented like oh okay what if we got this rubber tube attached it to a baby bottle and put a nipple on the end of it oh no to so that you could just like leave it with the baby and then kind of like do your own shit and come back well guess the fuck what they didn't have anything to clean the rubber tube with so it would get mold and get infected and then the babies would fucking die oh Oh my god! I know. That's so horrible. I mean, we've oh, we've had something. These are baby cages that we would literally oh, put out yes. the windows in New York City to be like, "Hey, let your baby have some fresh, fresh air. air," and like also get them out of the apartment for a little bit so you can like have the apartment to yourself. You can clean up, do whatever you need to do. And just literally, we put babies in cages outside hanging windows, out of hanging a window. outside. Yes, not on the first floor, like on the fucking whatever floor you lived on. So. I need to know, but I also, as I say it, I don't know if I want to know. Oh, yeah. How many of those cages <gasps> collapsed failed. and failed? Oh, my God. I don't know. I don't know that I want to know that. I don't know that I want to know. I hope zero. For the record, I'm I hope gonna it's guess zero. That's not the case. No. An educated guess would say that's not the case. Definitely. No. So don't put your baby in a cage. Don't put your baby in a cage. <laughs> don't Especially go to Dr. Cotton. don't have the cage hanging out your window. No. Of a high-rise fucking building. Absolutely not. Definitely don't go to Dr. Cotton. No. Pulling teeth does not solve mental illness. No. It no, does not. It does not. That was a fucking banana story, though. And yeah. I kind of extra want to watch The Nick now. Yeah, you should. Yeah. It's amazing. It's The Nick is all of this. It's just... Ugh. It's them... Again, it's the dawn of modern medicine. It's 1900. They're figuring shit out. They're figuring shit out. And they're things that we use now. And they're things that we don't use now. Yeah. Because of very disastrous results. I, the dick is amazing. I'm so excited. I have to dog sit this week. So oh, I girl. Might, I might make that like my fun little, I'm with a puppy and I'm going to watch the Nick I activity. Need, I need a live tech situation if you decide to embark on this journey. Done. Done. Oh, oh, I'm so obsessed. It's very interesting because I don't, did you ever watch Mad Men? I did not. It's great. I've heard many good things. I feel like a bunch of people tried to get me into it and I just like... Was in college when it was coming out, and sure. I was too busy, and I just never. It was when this, then, then all the seasons were out, and I was like, "It's too much for me to get yeah, into." Right it's now. a commitment. But something that was interesting about Mad, there's lots of things that are interesting about Mad Men. But something that was very jarring from the get go is in one of the first scenes, 
you just see a pregnant woman smoking like it's nothing. And you're like, oh, oh. yeah, right. Yeah. Because that's just Why? how it Yeah. So in the Nick. And we know better now. We know better. I mean, I would hope. But in the Nick, the thing was the surgeries without the gloves. Whoa. And you're like, ah. I can't. Yeah. 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 It's like, oh, it's so good though. It's so good. <sighs> All right. That's on my to-do list for the week. Yes. I'll text you when I'm in it. And I'm like, oh my God. I can't was... believe they're not wearing gloves. Clive Owen's so hot. I mean, yeah. Drool emoji. <laughs> Water squirt. Eggplant. Yes! <laughs> Peach. Yes! <laughs> the little smirky face. You know the one. The sexy smirk. Yes! Amy was the one who introduced me to the sexy smirk. I did not know that that's what it was. That's what it is. Hey, I'm aware. Have have <laughs> friends who know what the fuck time it is. Because I don't. I love a, I love a good smirk, so. Smirk about it. Sexy smirk emoji. Sexy smirk guys we're so obsessed with you thanks so much for listening please write us your stories we want to hear we keep adding the list we want your medical i don't know what the fuck the medical thing was the I, same shit oh like, i know I like, said, I like it. psychic medical stuff cool medical yeah. stuff i don't know if it's weird and you think it's uh, worth telling let us fucking know we probably agree yes email us at another fucking horror podcast at gmail.com with a period instead of the you and fucking you can follow us and find our show on Instagram at another fucking horror podcast. You can find me at pin up girl mo. You can find me at lobotomy, and that's lobot period Amy. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps us out with our visibility and getting the word out. And if you like this podcast, tell your fucking friends. Yes, please. Like bring them into the party. And most importantly, remember to keep it cute. Keep it creepy. Bye. Bye.